This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Man, isn't it wonderful to serve a God that's not just some religious dude from the past that wants to hurt you, but knows where you are today and wants to help you? And I, I was thinking about Jesus talking to that woman that had been in sexual sin for years, and all those guys brought her to Jesus expected Jesus to give them permission to stone her to death. And you know, the story, the thing about that story is all, always, that always gets me. The, God, the accusers were very biased. How many people does it take to commit adultery? Just a woman? Or does it take a man too? Where was the man at? <laughs> he was part of the in crowd. He was part of those religious dudes that wanted to kill her because their buddy got caught. And so Jesus said, woman, where's your accusers? As she said, there aren't, there aren't any, Lord, because they walked away when Jesus convicted them. And he says, I'm not your accuser either. He said, but go and sin no more. He said, I'm not going to accuse you. He said, I've set you free. Go and sin no more. And so that's our answer to the devil. When he tries to tempt us of those things in the past, we say, no, Satan, I don't belong to you. I belong to Jesus. I'm not coming back there again. I've been free, and I'm staying free. And so I'm just telling you, everybody that got... That got prayed for. If you've really been being hit about that stuff, the power of God's working in your body right now. If the devil tries to come and knock on your door, tries to send old friends across your path, tries to put desires in your flesh again, then just open your mouth and say, Devil, the Bible says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he flees from me. And so I've submitted to you, Lord. I resist. That craving for, and then you name it out of your mouth. If it's nicotine, alcohol, or some kind of drug, say, I resist that craving in Jesus' name. I crave the Word of God. I love Jesus. I belong to Jesus. He set me free, and I'm staying free. And because it's a spiritual realm we're functioning in, whatever it is trying to come against you, they flee, because the Bible says the devil flees when you resist him. Amen? Give the Lord a hand again. Well. Uh, I'll say again, it's good to be preaching again on Sunday morning, first time since April 8th, and I'm sure glad to be doing it. I'm loaded to bear, so I, you know, I'm, I'm being nice, but if you're on the front row, you might stick your toes under the seat. <laughs> but no, I'm stepping on all toes. It's, it's all going to be good. And thank you for the birthday blessing today. Everybody did that. That was really nice stuff that Pastor Dave said. I appreciate all of you. You love me and I love you. You love everybody. So why we got any problems? <laughs> If we love everybody, where's the problems at? Praise God. Well, we come today to learn how to get more help. But I want to tell you about that bookstore again. Uh, we, we, we want to replenish our supply out there, buy some new books. So we, we want to let's go ahead and recycle some out that are really good books so we can have more funds on hand to buy more books and restock with better stuff. And so we have no junk in the bookstore. We have nothing but good stuff and one of the books that I tell about all the time, I saw we had several of these back, there's what to do when faith seems weak and victory lost. What to do when faith seems weak and victory lost. And believe me, the last seven months, there's been a few times I pulled this one out again and went through it again, because I want to be reminded of the principles of the Word of God. It doesn't make any difference if you're a seasoned preacher or if you're a brand new Christian. Principles are principles. We need to work by the principles of the Word of God if we want to get the victory Jesus promised. Amen? And then here's another one, uh, processing the plan of God through prayer. Processing the plan of God through prayer. 
And uh, man, I've studied that book for years, sold lots of them, gave lots of them away. But I'll tell you one thing out of that book that I really like. There's several things that have always stuck with me. But I'm going to give you a statement here. It's a nugget if you want to write it down. You can either work it out, talk about what you're facing. You can work it out, lose sleep, try to figure out what to do about what it is you're facing. You can either work it out or you can pray it out and then you can walk it out. If you pray it out, then you can walk right through it. If you pray it out, you can walk through it. You can either work it out. That means yourself try to figure it out and do it your way. Or you can pray it out and see the plan walk it out God's way. Amen. And so there's so many good things that look like that. But don't forget the sales issue. You buy one book, any book in the bookstore, whether it's a little book, a big book, and buy one at the same, same price or lesser for 50% off. So a really good time to stock up. All right, today we're going to be talking about three keys to pleasing Jesus. Three keys to pleasing Jesus. Does anybody need a sermon outline? If you didn't get a sermon outline, hold up your hands. We have a couple very anointed ushers that are rapidly moving through the congregation to take care of you. How many appreciate our ushers here? Give those guys a hand. Amen. And so I want to open up to Matthew chapter 9. Go look at a couple of verses here. Verse 35 and 36. Matthew chapter 9. Verse 35 and 36. And these first couple of verses we're looking at, these are, these are not the main message. But Jesus knows there's some people here who wants to talk to you today about these, these things here, these two verses. Right? Uh, I never try to figure out with my head why the Lord leads me the way he does. But this is just something that's icing on the cake to speak to some hearts that need to hear this. And I don't have anybody in mind. The Lord just gave me this to start off with. I thought, Lord, that's not what you got me preaching. But we're starting off this direction. And so if this is something you need to hear, then receive it. And maybe it's something you need to take somebody else to show them. You may have Christian friends that don't have a pastor or a church. And they need to know the value of that kind of thing. So Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching, and I underlined that in my Bible, Teaching in their synagogues and preaching and underlined preaching, teaching and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing. And I underlined that too, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And so Jesus went about teaching, preaching and healing. And so I want to point out some things about Jesus' earthly ministry. Number one, Jesus was a traveling preacher and teacher. He wasn't a pastor staying in one place. He's like some of the traveling ministers we have coming here. Jesus was on the road. He was, he was preaching. He was teaching from synagogue to synagogue, from town to town. And so he was a traveling minister. But then I want you to notice some things here. Number one, to preach means to proclaim. And so it says he was preaching the gospel. The gospel's good news. And so Jesus was telling the people the good news. They needed to hear of what Jesus wanted to do in their lives. People today need to hear the good news. They need to be preached to. They need to proclaim to people of what Jesus has already done and what he wants them to receive from him. But then to teach means to explain. Teach, needs to, teach means to explain. People need to know how to get the good news of eternal life, healing, deliverance. Prosperity, peace, 
whatever it is they need, the good news promises them. They not only need to be preached to, told this is available, then they need to be explained to, here's how you get it. And so that's what Jesus, he was preaching, he was teaching them. He could tell them what they could have, then he told them how to get it. But then also, preaching plants the word. Preaching plants the word. Do you remember the parables of Matthew, Mark, and Luke that Jesus told us that the word is the seed? It's a spiritual seed. And that the preacher, the one that shares the word, he's planting seed into the hearts of people so that our hearts are soiled. And so to preach means to plant the seed of God. That's the first time you hear a Bible subject taught, there's a seed planted. You know, there may be people here today that have never heard that Jesus doesn't just want you saved, but he wants you healed. And so the first time you hear healing taught, healing seed is planted. But then teaching waters the seed. Preaching plants it. The first time you hear it, it's been planted. Then from thereafter, every time you hear that subject taught, you're getting watered more and more. The Word of God that's being taught is watering that seed. And so we need to be uh, have seed planted. We need to have seed watered. And so when Jesus would come through those towns, when he would preach the good news, then people got excited. Then he'd come through again and he'd water that with teaching and talking about it more. So people need to be preached to. And they need to also be taught. And so we need good preaching. We need good teaching if you want to grow and mature in faith. But then get to verse, verse 36. And so then it says, not only was he preaching and teaching, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they faded and were scattered abroad as sheep having no prophet, having no apostle, no, having no shepherd. Jesus, for all the good teaching, all the good preaching he was doing, Jesus said the people were scattered, said they were fading, they were weak. They weren't stable because they didn't have a shepherd. They didn't have a pastor. And so no matter how much good preaching and teaching you listen to, you must be a part of a good local church, have a pastor to submit to if you want to live a stable, victorious Christian life. Paraphrased. Now, you notice what he said there. He said they were scattered abroad, scattered Sometimes I call that scatterbrained because he said they were scattered and were, and were, were fainting. And so paraphrase what Jesus said is this. Believers not anchored at a local church with a pastor will be spiritual vagabonds and flaky. You know what a vagabond is? A vagabond, somebody just wanders from place to place. They have no home. They're just wandering around. And, you know, I've met, I've met Christians before that have visited our church. And tell me things like this. Oh, I just visit all the churches. I just bless them all. I think you're blessing to nobody. You're flaky. You don't know who you are, what you got. And so you're a spiritual vagabond. And so Jesus is the one that said this. I mean, didn't Jesus say that? He said they were fainting. Means they were weak. They were weary. They had no spiritual strength because they weren't anchored and they had no shepherd. And, you know, I just, I just want to say that again because sometimes people don't really understand when preachers are the messengers we're telling you only what Jesus said. Jesus, he was preaching, he was teaching, he was a traveling minister. And Jesus could have just easily said, they faded because they had no teacher. Well, he was a teacher. But he said, all I do is come in and visit. I don't do weddings. I don't do counseling. I don't do baby dedications. I don't do funerals. I come in and I go out. But he said, pastors and shepherds, they stay. 
If your baby needs prayed for, they pray for your baby. If your son or your daughter is getting all messed up with the wrong crowd and drugs and stuff like that, your pastor, the pastor staff of the local church, they're there. They talk. They care. But when Tony Cook comes through, Dr. Barkley comes through, traveling preachers come through, man, they just come in, they bless you, take up an offering, they're out of here. But then next week, when it comes time, try to call Dr. Barkley as much as he loves people or call whoever your favorite TV preacher is and say, hey, my mom's sick in the hospital. Don't think she's going to make it. Will you travel 6,000 miles? Come and pray for my mom. Well, they're not going to be here. Doesn't mean they don't love you, but they can't do that. Call your pastor. And your pastor says, yes, we're right here. That's why we're here. We want to pray for your mom. Your mom's going to make it. She's going to live and not die. We're here. And that's why sheep are weak, because they have no base. Amen. Jesus said it, not me. And so I want to look at one more passage here. Look at Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15. How many love the Bible? Amen. The Bible is God's answer book for every question you're ever going to have. And I know for myself, I, I was just thinking about Melissa and her family, Diana. I remember that. I just think about you guys this morning when I knew you were coming. First time these guys heard me preach was about 1999 in a tent. <laughs> I still see your face sitting out there. I thought, here's a lady coming from come from the Faith Dome, and she's out here in Indiana listening to a guy preaching in a tent. But you know what? The Word of God and a man or woman anointed the Holy Ghost doesn't make any difference. If they're in a Faith Dome or if they're in a tent, the Word of God always produces. But, man, that's been a long time ago. We've come a long way since the tent. But uh, anyway, the Word of God is anointed. The Word of God is Jesus talking to us. And I learned years and years ago, whenever I'm preparing for a service, I don't just say, Jesus, I want to show them how much I know. Lord, I want to razzle them, dazzle them about end times. Tell them who the Antichrist is. <laughs> Tell them about the mark of the beast. Those are all Bible things. But I always say, Jesus, you know who's going to be there today. You already see their faces. Lord, you know the questions they need answered. You know, the problems they're facing. As the Lord, I yield to you now. I want to thank you for me knowing in my heart what it is you want to say to them to really help them. And so that's why the things we teach. So many times when I stand at the door shaking hands, Dennis will say, and he does a lot. Pastor, when you listen to my house, you were talking right to me. He said, I don't know if anybody else. And then he'll walk away. And there's somebody from over here on this side, the one out the door, be Nadine. They didn't say, Pastor, that's what I've been praying about. You answered every question I had. Well, I didn't. Jesus did. Because I, I, I'm a shepherd that follows Jesus. Jeremiah 3.15, he said, and I will give you pastors according to my heart. So what God said this, God said, I will put my heart in pastors that have a love beyond a believer's love, how we love each other's brothers and sisters in Christ. But how many know that Jesus forgives you and forgives you and forgives you and forgives you? God doesn't condemn you. If you mess up over and over and over again, all he ever says is, get up, come on, let's go. Get up, come on, let's go. Well, see, it's really hard for brothers and sisters of the Lord to put up with your stuff. They do. But after so many times, your brothers and sisters write you off. But for a pastor, it says, God says, I'll put my heart in them. 
That's so mad. You, cut, you, you mess up 50 times and all we ever say is, come on, man, get on back here. We want to help you. And you leave the church throwing stones at us, calling us names, judging us, cussing us out, leaving nasty messages on the... Well, we don't have answering machines anymore. I used to get nasty messages on the answering machine. But anyway, stuff like that happens. And then we see you at the Walmart or see you down at the store. Oh, hi. And we mean it. We love you. And you show back up. And then some different uh, people of the church say, hey, did you see who's here? I say, yeah, open your arms up. The prodigal came home. Let's love him. Let's help him. And, you know, there's only one way we can do that, because we have the heart of God in us for his people. Amen. That's supernatural. And so he said, I'll put my heart in pastors which shall feed you. He said, pastors shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. It's one thing to have knowledge. It's another thing to know what to do with it. And God said, pastors will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And so a true Bible pastor gifted a call to God because he or she has Jesus' heart and compassion for people who always have your best interests at heart. And a pastor with God's heart and love always has two primary goals. Always has two primary goals. Number one, we want to feed you with the knowledge of God's Word. But we don't want to leave you hanging. We want to take the time for understanding to help you understand what to do with it. And so that means we're going to explain the Bible to you so simply. Now listen to this. So simply that a high school dropout or college graduate can get it. It doesn't make any difference what a true pastor anointed of God is teaching the Bible. That could be somebody out here that never made it past the sixth grade and they leave here knowing Jesus told them how to live. Or somebody out here that's got a Ph.D. had very super educated sitting here. They leave here. Back in Indiana, remember Dr. Ellis, Nancy Ellis? She was a Ph.D. D.D.D.D. I mean, she had all the D's and all the P's and everything else. What her job was, she worked out at Indiana University. And what her job was, she refined doctors from around the world that came back for, for more training. She, they came to Indiana University and she taught the people, already been out there for years, how to do better. But she called me a master teacher. And, you know, I never took that to my head. All I ever do is all I do is follow Jesus and teach the Bible. But because of the anointing of God, she was sit in these chairs like this right here. And she was one of the most elitist teachers, probably in all of America, maybe the world, for teaching these people from everywhere. And she'd leave it all. She'd take pages and pages of notes. And she'd say, I've never understood that before. I understand it now. I understand it. I understand it. So that's what I've said about a true... A true pastor that follows after God is going to make it where the smartest people in the world is going to know how to apply it to their lives. And the most illiterate people in the world are going to know how to apply it to their lives. And the reason being, Jesus said, your father knows when you lay down, when you get up. Said he knows the number of every hair on your head. That's because Jesus works through pastors to change people's lives. Nobody in a Jesus service will leave here. If they're listening, because he did always say, he that had ear to hear, let him hear. He didn't say, he that had the cell phone on, play games. Right? And so if you're in a service with a Bible called a gifted pastor, when you leave, you'll have answers. That's a good time to shout or clap or something. And so anyway, as a, as a, as a called gifted pastor today, Jesus told me, to give you three keys to pleasing Him. Three keys 
to pleasing Jesus. And so for your fill in the blanks, years ago, Jesus spoke very clearly to my heart. He said, tell the congregation. Of course, it's for me, too. It's for me first. He said, he always looks for three things in the life of a believer. How many here is a believer? How many? Okay, for the, for, for the two-thirds that are not believers, then, we want to tell you about Jesus. We want to get you born again. If you're a believer, be proud to raise your hand. Amen. Well, good. Praise God. Got a bunch of them. Thank you, Lord. Look at your neighbor then and say, he's getting ready to talk to you. And say, I know he's going to talk to me. Uh, Josh, turn the cool a little bit more. These think they're going to sleep or something. <laughs> hey, man, how many is awake? How many is alive? All right. And so he said he always looks for three things in the life of a believer. Number one, Jesus is looking at your heart. Amen. How many are glad that Jesus knows what's in your heart? Because sometimes your goofy attitude, your actions don't match your heart. (laughs) Amen. And so number two, he's always watching your words. And number three, he's watching your actions. So Jesus is looking at three things in your life, your heart, your words, and your actions. Because I'll tell you what, if you keep your heart right, so many times those words and actions are really way off wacky, not the right place. As long as you've got the right heart, the rest of us are going to line up. And so number one, I want to look at the heart part. Heart part. Look at Acts chapter 23. Book of Acts chapter 23, verse 1. And I... I know you've kind of got used to Pastor Dave the last few months, so I'm not the New Living Translation guy, King James, because if it was good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. That's just an old religious joke. <laughs> no, I was raised on King James. I love King James, and I recommend that you get grounded in King James, then read the rest of them. But King James is the, it's, it's really the, to me, the best translation, although you can't understand some things unless you dig into others, but King James is really good. And so, Acts 23, verse 1, Paul, earnestly beholding the council, said, Men and brethren, now look at this. I circled this with red in my Bible, and I put yellow through it. I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Good conscience before God until this day. And so your conscience is the voice of your spirit. Your conscience is the voice of your spirit. But I want to say this. How many here have read enough of the Bible to know that Paul wasn't always Paul the preacher? How many know that? How many know he had a past life? You know, in my life, I call that B.C., before Christ in my life. I had a B.C. life. In my B.C. life, there's a whole lot of things that I am glad are washed away by the blood of Jesus. You know, I'm very sure that even after I've been born again 38 years, even after being born again, I'm sure you could run into some people from my past from 40 years ago that if you told them what I'm doing now, they wouldn't believe you. Matter of fact, since I've been in California, one of our first trips back to California, we went to, back to Indiana. We, we were eating at Hardee's. No, it was McDonald's in Mooresville, Indiana. How many know where Mooresville is? Some of you do. We were in Mooresville, and I ran into an old truck driver that I hadn't seen since probably the early 70s. And back in those days, I wasn't who I am now. Don't tell anybody, but I had an afro. I had an afro. 
I had platform shoes. I had bell bottoms. I hung around discotheques. Unless I thought the girls were, were, were handy at the country bar, then I went to the country bar, depending on what was going on, what time of the week it was, where I went. That's what I did. And so I ran into this guy, and uh, hadn't seen him for a long time. Oh, his name is Willie Cherry. <laughs> hey, Willie, how you doing? And so, you know, he, a little profanity comes out. thought I'd respond profanity like that. I said, well, I'm a preacher now, Willie. And man, oh, man, oh, no way, no way, no way. I said, yeah, I was a pastor in Martinsville for a lot of years, and I'm in California. He couldn't believe. And I've been doing it so many years then. I mean, I passed away behind me. He saw me in the same physical body, but he didn't know the guy inside the body was new. And so I dare to say some of you, if you saw some people who don't know who you are now, no matter how long you've been saved, they wouldn't know that on the inside there's a new person. And so Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul the Apostle, Saul of Tarsus was a Christian killer. He thought he was doing God a favor by killing Christians. He put Christians in prison. He was like ISIS or somebody. He went around knocking doors down and taking people out and killing them, putting them in prison that were God's people. He thought he was doing God a favor. And so I said that to say this. How could Paul make this statement? I've lived it all good conscience before God. How's it good conscience if you're killing his people? Well, the guy that did that died. This was a new man. And so, I want to say this. If you're not a born-again Christian, your conscience will allow you to do just about anything. You won't really feel bad about it. If you're not a born-again Christian, your conscience will allow you to tell lies. If you're not a born-again Christian, your conscience will allow you to steal things. Will allow you to cheat and take advantage of people. If you're not a born-again Christian... Your conscience will permit you to live in sexual sin and do wrong things sexually if you're not a born-again Christian because your conscience, being the voice of your spirit, if the Holy Spirit doesn't live in there, you don't have a connection with God. You can hear about Him on the outside, but He doesn't live on the inside. And so what I'm saying is this. Your conscience before Jesus will permit you to do anything. But Paul said, he said, I've lived in all good conscience all this time. And so I can say for me, I have a good conscience for God since 1980. For 1980, my conscience allowed me to do anything. Since 1980, I've done my best to obey my conscience. How about you? And so we're talking about Jesus looks at three things. Number one thing Jesus looks at your heart. What's in your heart? And so a person that's born again has convictions. If they'll listen to him. Now I want to look at Acts chapter 24, verse 16. Acts 24, verse 16. And we're going to be talking about how to take care of your heart. How to have a healthy heart. Or we're talking about your spirit. Many times the Bible, what is most of the time the Bible, when it's talking about your heart, they're not talking about the pumping station, the organ that pumps blood around. Talk about your spirit, your innermost being. When you're born again, you get a new heart. doesn't mean physical heart. You might if you need one. I mean, God can do that too. But the main thing is, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says you're brand new on the inside. Your spirit is changed. And so Acts 24, 16, Paul said this concerning his conscience. Now herein do I exercise myself 
Well, we have a lot of exercises that exercise people in the church. I see you on Facebook. You work out, you run out, you try out, you wear out. You, you, you do all kinds of things to take care of your physical body. And Paul said, here do I exercise myself. To have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Paul said, I exercise myself. Well, if you're doing exercises to your body, what are you doing? You're training your body. You're building up your body. You're causing your muscles. You're causing your body to get stronger. Paul said, I'm causing my conscience to get stronger than my flesh. I'm causing my conscience to get stronger than all the ungodly thoughts that hit my mind. He said, I'm causing my conscience to rise up. And be the master, take control of what I do in life. Says I exercise myself to have a conscious void of offense toward God and toward men. And, you know, I was thinking about uh, Randy Greer. He's an evangelist who comes through here sometimes. And how many get Randy's newsletter? I have to get it this week. Somebody got his newsletter. Well, I'll tell you what, that newsletter was really, really strong, wasn't it? It was powerful. It was good. And he talked about what I see, what we all see in life. You guys see it. Preachers see it. In this time we live in, Jesus prophesied about it. Paul talked about it. Prophets of old talked about it. Sometimes in the end times, when God's people think every evil thing there is is okay to do and live. There's going to come a time when people don't accept correction and those kind of things. And so Randy was talking about in the modern church, how many people think it's okay to do all the things that the Bible says isn't okay, and they think it's good and they're pleasing God. And so I think about the conscience factor. It says we can train ourselves. We can train our conscience, our conscience not to grieve God. We can train our conscience not to hurt other people. Paul, This is Bible talking. He said, I exercise myself. And then Paul also said in another passage, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. And so, if Paul could train his conscience, I could train my conscience. You could train your conscience. And so, you can learn to train yourself not to violate your conscience. Make the decision to instantly obey the voice of your spirit. I learned that off Brother Hagin. He's got a good book back there called Spirit, Soul, and Body. Got another one called How to Train the Human Spirit. And I hope we got some of those back there if you want to buy them today for the, for the deals. But instantly obey the voice of your spirit. How do you do that? Well, if you start to watch a TV show or a movie, and then you realize it's immoral and violates what would please God, turn it off or leave the theater. In other words, in other words if you start to do something, as soon as you start to do it, you're a born-again Christian. The Holy Spirit lives in here. You've got a brand new nature. If you're having a conversation with somebody and you begin to speak harshly or you begin to gossip about other people, immediately, if you're somebody that wants to please Jesus, you're going to know, "Uh uh-oh, I shouldn't have done that. Immediately stop. Say, Jesus, forgive me. I shouldn't have watched that. Jesus, forgive me. I shouldn't have said that. And then the one you're talking to, if you've, Unload a bunch on them. You need to stop and say, wow, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Man, I, I, I just got my flesh in the way. I'm tired. I've been working a lot of hours. Been late. 
I haven't been in the Word the last few days, and man, that was the old man coming out again, and I am just so sorry. Forgive me. What are you doing? You're training your spirit. You're listening to the voice of your conscience. And the more you quickly respond when you know you've done wrong, the more you instantly respond to that, you're getting more fine-tuned to that. And the more fine-tuned you are to that, then the less mistakes you're going to make in everyday decisions of life because your conscience is going to be tender. You know, at first, it's really hard at first when you've done something wrong and you know it to immediately be embarrassed to face another person and say, I've done wrong, that wasn't right. But I'll tell you one thing, it pays off in the long run when your conscience is tender before God. And so Jesus is looking at three things, your heart, your words, and your action. And i got a verse I want you to look at that I don't have up there. I thought this this morning, so I went ahead and added it. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 1, verse 2. 1 Timothy 4, verse 1 and verse 2. And Paul said this. Now the Spirit, Holy Spirit, speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Well, that means some Christians are going to backslide they go go the other way and not believe what they used to believe, giving heed to seducing spirits. Well, that word seducing means deceiving spirits. How many here have ever either been deceived or you've seen another believer that used to live right and clean and holy, but now they're living totally opposite, yet they're not convicted. They think it's okay. They went back to live with somebody they're not married to, or they went back to a life of addictions again, or became a bucket mouth again, cussing all the time, unloading on people again, but they didn't used to do it. But it said, some shall depart from the faith. That means from the Christian life, some shall depart. Say this, please say, I will never depart. Say this, say, some might, but not me. I refuse to be seduced. I refuse to be deceived. I'm going to stay in church. I'm going to stay in the Word. I'm going to stay in fellowship with strong believers. Let me tell you why it's important to say that. You get around weak believers that are half in and half out, they'll convince you to go their way. Amen. You want to hang around people convict you, okay? You want to hang around people that they're living so right, you get convicted if you're letting the little thing in. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. And so he says, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of what? Devils. There's Bible doctrine and then there's false doctrine. There's deceptive doctrine. I'll tell you what, the times we live in, boy, oh boy, I don't want to go down that road. We live in California. Amen. Uh, Johnny, Diana, we live in California, don't we? That doesn't mean everything in California legislates things is right. But that's why we live here, because God wants us to change the atmosphere around us. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you what, I do not submit to a lot of the stuff that California said the last few years. I submit to God. His law is a higher law. But we can change things around us. And so, in other words, there have been a lot of people across the land, Christian people, 
that have been deceived with doctors of devils is not Bible doctrine. Now look at this. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their what? What's that word? Conscience. We're talking about conscience. Paul said, I don't violate my conscience. He said, I'm training my conscience. Have their conscience seared with a hot iron. Have their conscience seared. And so if you continue to violate your conscience in any area of life, it will become seared to where you're not convicted about that sin anymore. And what I've seen that seared is this. Has anybody here ever used like a post hole digger or any kind of a hand tool if your hands without gloves? And if you've got a new job or if you're working in your garden or you're doing something and you continue to use it, well, all of a sudden you've got a blister there. And man, that blister really hurts. And if you keep on working for a few days over a period of time, that blister pops and then you start getting hard skin there. You get a callus. You get a callus like with post hole diggers. And your hands get calloused up. I, I, I bet you the Kobe knows something about post hole diggers. You get, you get those calluses, and next thing you know, you're using it, and you don't feel a bit of pain because you've got an extra layer of skin there. You've got calloused on your hand. You don't feel the pain anymore, but you used to feel the pain. You don't feel it. you got calloused. Well, that's what seared means for your spirit. It may be whatever it is. Let's just, let's just use it, use, use for example, you're watching something, some type of a movie. Well, when you were a baby Christian, you ran from that. Thought, I can't watch that. Look what they're doing. I can't do that. No, I can't do that. And then over the course of time, you watch some movie that's really not very bad, but it's a little bit bad. And you first watch it, you think, oh, boy. Oh, well. And you go on watching. Well, that's like the first time you're using a post hole digger or a tool. You get a little sore. And you think, well, I don't need gloves. I'll just keep on doing what I'm doing. Well, then next time you watch something, it's got a little more in it. And you got a little conviction. Well, then you start watching more and more. You have no conviction. What happened? Your spirit got seared. It got a callous against that sin. And, you know, it may be your mouth. It may be when you were first saved, you felt so convicted if you gossiped about somebody, you'd be around sometimes the more re- religious Christians that their mouths don't bother them and think it's okay to talk about people however they want to, to judge people, to condemn people, and that everything's, everybody else is wrong except for our little group. Our little group's the best group. We're the only group. But everybody else out there, they're no good, you know, et cetera, et cetera. When you're a baby Christian, you loved everybody. You wanted to help everybody. And if you saw somebody getting in trouble with sin or fall away in life instead of wanting to throw rocks at them with your mouth and saying, oh, they deserve it, they caused it, they brought it on themselves. Or the first time you'd hear about somebody getting sick, instead of, instead of saying stuff, well, they brought it on themselves, they caused it, they're the ones that did it. And they opened the door, they did it. You'd say, it didn't make any difference what happened, they're sick and I want to help them. But then you get to the place hanging around religious people, you always find a reason why somebody's sick. Or somebody's in a bad place while they got there instead of getting on your knees and saying, Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm standing in the gap. You're standing on that rooftop hollering out to me, hey, look what happened. You know what happened? You have a seared conscience. It used to convict you to talk about people. But you've done it so much now, it doesn't bother you at all. But I'll tell you what Jesus thinks about that. When you read the story of Saul of Tarsus, 
There come a point in time, Jesus appeared to him in a shining light. The glory of God came down. And Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Well, how could you persecute Jesus? Jesus lived in heaven now. Jesus already left earth. He's up there. But Jesus said, I'm taking it personal. Every time you do it, at least these are my brethren. You're doing it to me. And so what am I saying about this seared conscience thing? You need to listen to your conscience. Let me give you a question. <clears throat> this is just something to ponder and think about about your heart. If Jesus truly looks at your heart first in your life, he looks at your heart. Because if you're doing wrong, you want to make sure your heart's right. So immediately the boom doesn't get lowered. You get judged and you're out of here. You want Jesus to look at you. And, and it, as a pastor, I've taught my staff this for probably 25 years. I learned this a long time ago as a pastor is this. And I've seen two kinds of people in the church. Talk about people going through problems causing trouble in the church. The Lord taught me this years ago, said there's two kinds of people. There's people that cause trouble, and there's people that are in trouble. And so, if in the church we've got somebody that's been a really good Christian, and things are going on, and all of a sudden they're getting into an argument with everybody in the church. Every department, there's a problem with this family like that. I stop and look. I say, wait a minute. These are good people. Something's going on here in their life. What's going on? And you'll find out they're going through a divorce. Or they've got a parent that's really sick and in bad shape. And they're spending all their extra time in the hospital. They're nursing home. They're stretched out. Or they've got a child that's in trouble. that's in jail somewhere. Something bad going on. These people are stretched and they're stressed. That's all I can tell. The people in the church, the leaders say, man, have patience, have patience, have patience. Love them. Let's work with them, help them through this time. They're going through a bad time. Then you get somebody else, man, they're a troublemaker. I mean, man, they're, they're not going through a bad time. They're just trouble. And they got fired from the last 15 jobs because they caused trouble on the job. Talk to other pastors. They've been to 15 churches the last two years. They cause trouble at every church they go to. I say, man, watch them. Stay around them. We want to help them. But if they start hurting people, then we're going to talk to them and find out what we got to do because of come to the church and destroy the church because they're troublemakers. And so what I'm saying is Jesus sees your And if you're going through a bad time and you're, you know, unloading on people's stuff happening, Jesus is going to cut you some slack as long as you've got a good heart. But if your whole goal in life is to make life miserable for everybody else, I'll tell you what, it's probably going to be a short rope. <laughs> you know, it's not going to last long. And so here's a question I just want to give you for thinking about. Just think about when you were a new Christian. Things that you knew were wrong. Things that you knew you didn't want to do anymore because you belong to God now. You belong to Jesus. And you know, I'm a Christian now. I don't want to do those things anymore. Then think about your life. Fast forward to the present. This past week to where you are now. Are those things now in your life again where you're not convicted? It doesn't bother you. If they bothered you then, and you know they violated the Word of God, the Word of God hasn't changed. And so if you're able to do things today with no conviction, and you're waiting on a feeling to feel convicted, guess what? The feeling's not going to come. Why is it not going to come? Because you've got a seared conscience in that area now. And because your conscience is seared, the Holy Spirit is still the same. The Holy Spirit is still in there speaking to you. Jesus is trying to get your attention but your spirit has got calloused over. Where your spirit now doesn't want to do it, 
but you can't hear your spirit. Your conscience has been violated so many times that it's seared. And so just think about what I'm saying. And so if in your life there's things that, you know, you know, everybody didn't always have the same things they got delivered from. I'll tell you what, more people that I've known need delivered from the mouth than anything else. Amen. You know, it's easy to see the sexual sin. It's easy to see the addictions. But one of the, one, one of the worst sins to me there is, maybe it's because I'm a pastor, is the ones that go home on Sunday and have roast pastor. What's that mean? They go home Sunday and sit around the dinner table talk about all the things wrong that the pastor didn't do right. Or the pastor's family. You know, you think about things like that. Well, how come they're in the second row today? I always get the second row. Who are they? Well, somebody to be honored. They're our family. <laughs> Amen. But, you know, there's people get offended about the dumbest things. But the thing is, when you're a baby Christian, you're glad if you're sitting outside the glass doors watching it in. You just got close. Amen. I want to say it again. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. And so we're talking about your conscience. So just think about that today before we move on. If there's things you're doing today that a few years ago when you were born again, you knew they were wrong then. If God hasn't changed because Jesus is the same yesterday and forever and the Bible hasn't changed, who changed? Amen. And I want to say, yeah, I'm a pastor with God's heart to help you. And so the conscience is a big deal to God. And so since I was a baby Christian, I remember when I first got born again, I remember I heard a preacher say, he was, he was talking about, about, your, uh, about, your, about your spirit. He said, you've got to have a teachable spirit. And a teachable spirit means this. No matter how long you've been saved, how much you've been taught, don't ever sit in a service where the Holy Spirit's there, the Word's being taught, and on the inside, puff up, I know that. He didn't teach that right. I know it better than that. Well, do you know that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John told some of the same stories in a different way? Why is that? Jesus knows we're all wired different. And the, story, the same story has to come out different sometimes. Because like I said, we could teach to a high school dropout or to a college graduate. And sometimes it comes out different depending on who's in the crowd. So you talk to the one that needs it. And so don't ever, 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 ever. Get it in you in your heart that I could have done better than that. Maybe you could. But when you're the one that God has anointed teaching the crowd, that's the direction God's going. He wants to help the people. And so I heard preachers that always have a teachable spirit. Don't ever be a puffed up know-it-all. And then also heard another talk about having a tender heart. A tender heart means this. Man, it's okay to cry sometimes. It's okay to get excited sometimes. You know, in Romans, Paul said, rejoice with those that rejoice, but weep with those that weep. And so we as Christians, if we're going to have, if we're going to have a tender conscience, we've got to have a tender heart. And a tender heart means we can be touched with the feeling of people's weaknesses. We can be touched with what they're going through. Instead of being hard and just, I've seen, I've seen so many faith people. I've seen so many faith people. Well, what's the word say? Well, man, if you're the one of the crisis right now, and you're, you're like the guy in the water going down, man, they have one finger, you know, two, you go down like that. You don't care what the word says. Throw me a lifesaver. You know, jump in here with me, man. Rescue me. And, you know, I know that for me, the last seven months, 
I've really had a chance to examine myself with my fellow preachers that when I've talked to some of them, well, you know what the Word says? Hey, I know what the Word says. I've been teaching for 38 years, et cetera, et cetera. I've standing on the Word. I appreciate your love. But man, don't pound me with it. You know, and then I examined myself for the last 38 years. All the hospital rooms I've been in, all the death rooms I've been in, all the funerals I've conducted, all the places I've been. And I went back and examined my life. Was I like that? Was I like that? Did I do that? And, you know, I, 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 I think I've done pretty good most of the time of being compassionate towards people. But most of the people have been compassionate towards me. So I'm talking about don't you get such a hard spirit about you that you see your brother or sister in trouble. All you can do is beat them with the word. You know, you can share the word. One of the biggest, greatest things there is, the Bible says that Jesus had compassion and healed the sick. He did go about preaching and teaching, but he says he had compassion on the multitudes and he healed the sick. You know, so many times what I've seen in 38 years of doing this is Christians in the judgmental department. So what that they got into sin and they got hurt? Main thing is, Jesus wants them out. You know, you can help them get through the sin and get over that. But Jesus never come to them and threw stones at them. He stuck his hand out. He got them helped. And then he said, go and sin no more. And so we as Christians need to pray and thank the Lord for giving us a tender heart. We need to thank him every day. And I do very regularly. I have all my Christian life. I said, Lord, I thank you for giving me a tender heart. Thank you for giving me a tender heart and a teachable spirit, Lord. I want to learn. I want to grow. And the last few months, I've had lots of my leaders preaching and teaching, and my son, my wife, and everybody else. And I'll tell you what, I've taken a lot of notes. And something that I told my staff the other night that really, it shouldn't have, but it did, it shocked me how much they've all grown. Because most of the people that are staff and people of the church here is ones we've led to the Lord. Got them filled with the Holy Ghost and discipled them. That surprised me the things I've heard taught the last few months, how much people have grown. But you know what? If I was puffed up about I'm the great one and I was here first, I'd have got nothing. But I come in and I hear other people teaching the Bible. That's the Bible. I like it. Sometimes they tell my old stories. I forgot they were my stories because they were coming out different and coming out good. And so Jesus looks at your heart. Don't ever, ever, ever. Allow yourself to get calloused in your heart. Pray that you'll be convicted again if you're on a wrong road. Pray that if you're saying things, doing things that are wrong, that you'll be convicted again. And then instantly, instantly, as soon as you know you're doing wrong, instantly change. Look up to heaven and say, Lord, forgive me. And if other people's involved, they go back to other people, let them know that, hey, that wasn't right what I'd done. I'm sorry. I've asked the Lord to forgive me. Will you forgive me? Jesus is looking at your heart. He wants you to have a clean heart. And so then look at the number two thing. He's looking at your words. And we'll look at Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Ushers, you got your never again cards ready? All right. Mark 11, verse 23. And we teach y'all words all the time about the power of your words. But in Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus is telling us how your faith is activated. Now look at your Bible in verse 23. He said, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever 
shall say, and in my Bible, I circled whosoever, and I walked right, I walked right beside it, this means me. Why is that? Jesus didn't say, you twelve apostles I'm talking to, now whichever one of you apostles shall say, or whichever great Bible teacher shall say, he said, whosoever. That means from the least of us, or if there's such a thing as the greatest of us. He said, whosoever shall say, so I wrote this means me, I take the Bible personal. I take the Bible literally. I take the Bible as God talking to me because he loves me and he wants to help me. So he said, whosoever shall say, and I circle say, unto this mountain, and that mountain there is symbolic of problems in your life. Has anybody ever had a financial mountain that needed moved? Has anybody ever had a, a relationship mountain that needed moved? A family relationship that looked like, man, this thing here is over. We'll never talk again. And I don't want that. I hate that. I want my family together. Anybody ever had a health mountain? A job mountain? Whatever it is. In other words, a mountain, a mountain could be called a big problem. Whoever shall say to this big problem, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. Shall not doubt in his heart. Well, we're talking about the heart, and we're talking about words. Your heart is your born-again spirit. Shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith, and I circled the saith. He's talking about saying. He said, you say to the mountain, and then you believe those things that you're saying to the mountain, shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. And so Jesus is saying right here that faith will work with the right words, even if you have doubt in your head, because you have doubt not in the heart. Faith comes from your heart, not from your head. There's nobody here, there's nobody here that's ever went through anything that it took your faith to get you out of that your head wouldn't hit. Matter of fact, I'll give you a recent example. I had a blood test two weeks ago. And usually it takes about two, three days to give you the results. I've been waiting on the results now. Then Katie finally found out the other day that all the computer stupid stuff's down. So I told Mrs. Pastor, you know, sometimes I tell her some of the things that I'm facing and the little battles I'm going through. She heard me talking, speak some words out of my mouth. I was saying something like, devil in the name of Jesus, keep those stupid things away. That's not my thoughts. I said, well, what's going on? I said, well... I said, if you want to know, I'll tell you what's going on in the spiritual arena. The devil's hitting me. The reason they haven't told me for two weeks is that it's bad and they don't know what to do, how to talk to me. And I said, I'll just tell you what's going on in the spiritual arena. And I said, I know where that's coming from. I said, that's all I was doing. My mouth turned the devil back off, dog. Stuff's not on me, not coming back. I don't know why they haven't told me the numbers yet, but it doesn't make any difference. The Word of God says, lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus, the recovery. So I Said every time so far in the natural, those numbers have got better. But the word of God's where I'm standing. The word of God says I'm healed, so I am. But that spiritual warfare, doubts hitting my head, but total faith in my heart. That's what I'm telling you. Jesus said, "Shall doubt, doubt not in his heart, but shall believe that those things." Now listen. Here's where some of you missing it. He didn't say those things which he hopeth, or those things which he prayeth. He said those things which he saith. I can pray the prayer of faith for you in this line up here. But if you walk out of here and you're saying, I didn't feel anything. 
Guess I didn't get anything. Well, you know, the doctor said, the next thing I expect is this. And I believe I'm getting it. Well, the doctor said, the next thing will happen is this. And I believe I'm having it. Well, see, you're saying out of your mouth, you agree more with what natural things are than what the Word of God says. And Jesus said, I'm talking about words. He's looking, Jesus is looking at three things, your hearts, your words, and your actions. And so he says that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Jesus said, you're going to have what you say. I saith, myself, I don't know about any of you, myself, I'm going to live to be 85 years old at least, minimum. I'm going to have a strong spirit, totally healthy body, and a sound mind. Sound mind. My mom died at Alzheimer's at a kind of a young age. Well, I've been redeemed from Alzheimer's. I've been redeemed to dementia. Jesus said he gave me power to love and a sound mind. And so I'm agreeing with Jesus. When my mind seems to act like the memory's not working, things like that, I say, thank you, Lord, I've got a sound mind. You bring to my remembrance everything I need to know. Jesus said, I'll have whatever I say. So I'm telling you, not only do you need to have a good heart, a tender heart, you need to watch your words, guard your words, guard your words. And once again, I want to say this. I didn't make up this lesson. Jesus said this in the Bible in multitudes and multitudes of places. And so, because we teach on this all the time, I'm not going to spend you know, any more time on this. But uh, capitalize on books at our bookstore about your words, about what the Bible says about words. And also, how many have ever got one of these never again cards? Okay, everybody hold up their hand that wants one of these. What this is, go ahead and hand these out, Jesse. Give, give one to everybody that wants one, needs one, or wants more. Got lots of them. Even if you got them and you want another one or two, three, whatever, take some of these. And what these are is our scriptures on here that tells basic things that help you to be able to confess the Word of God. Like, for example, I'm in Christ, I'm a new creature. Old things passed away, all things become new. I'm a new creature. And the verses to go with that. And then, all my sins are forgiven. All my diseases are healed. My life is strong in God. I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. I'm under His mercy. And verses to go with that. And you know, as new Christians, even as old Christians, you need to learn to speak the Word of God. At little aids like this, I like what my pastor said when I first got one of these same type things years ago. He said, always remember this. The Word of God is your food. This is a vitamin. These books we have, they're vitamins. The Word of God's your main course. You need to every day consistently be feeding on the Word of God, but then take vitamins too. And you know, vitamins, I mean, probably most of us in modern times, we all take some kind of vitamins, supplements, herbs or something. Everybody does. But the thing is, you know you want to have a routine where you get it built into your system. So things like this here, you can carry in your purse, in your pocket, in your Bible. And, uh, you know, if you don't have real, you're not feeling real spiritual, having a hard time reading your Bible, then oh, pull this out of your Bible and look the verses up. And they'll help you. But the thing is, you want to be speaking the Word of God. Now, the third thing is, uh, did you get that fill in the blank? Uh, we want to help you renew your mind to talk in line with the Bible. 
renew your mind. This will help renew your mind. And then the third thing Jesus look at is your actions. Look at James chapter 1, verse 22. James chapter 1, verse 22. Well, I tell you what, I feel like an old cowboy. It's good to be in the saddle again. Hey, man, it's good to have the reins in my hand. Thank you, Pastor Dave. <laughs> James 1, verse 22, Jesus looks at our actions. He says, be you doers of the word, doers of the word. Not what everybody tells you you ought to do, but what the Bible says you ought to do. Doers of the word means to act on the word, put it into practice and not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. That's why he says, if you hear the Bible, but don't put it into action in your daily life, then you're a deception. And I want to say it again. I'm not making this up. The Bible says it. it says Christians that hear what the Bible says to do, but don't do it. They're deceived. You know, what the Bible says love and forgive, love and forgive. God gave us the ability to love people and forgive them. God gave us the ability to go the extra mile. God gave us the ability to do whatever the Bible says he's telling us to do. And in a service like this, you know, when I hit bunny trails and different things I've said today, I have no idea what come into some of your hearts because it's the Holy Spirit in you. Whatever today came into your heart that God showed you to do it, maybe something about going to somebody and asking them to forgive you. It may have been about you forgiving somebody that's wronged you. I don't know what God said to you today. It may be you go out to pray for somebody laying hands on them because they need healed and you know you've got that ordinance in you. It may be that God talked to you about tithing today. You know you need to tithe. I don't know what God said to your heart, but I do know this. Jesus said he watches your actions. And so he says right here, be doers and not hearers only. And so I'd like to say this. It's not about how much you hear and know. Because I'll tell you what, we got some people here loaded with the word of God. But it's how much you know and do that pleases Jesus. He doesn't want to know what you know. He wants to know what you do. And so you need to do something with what you're hearing. So to recap, to please Jesus, keep a clean conscience, watch your mouth, and do your best to live in line with God's holy written word every day of your life. Amen. All right. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand and stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.